Welcome to Hack to Start, a podcast focused on interesting people and the innovative ways they achieve success. I'm Franco Variano. And I'm Tyler Copeland. Each week we speak with a new guest about how they created, hacked, and hustled their way to the top and distill their insights and experiences for you. The path to success isn't always linear. Hack, start, and repeat. This episode is brought to you by Breather. Find beautiful, practical spaces that you can reserve on the go. Ghost, a simple, powerful publishing platform that allows you to share your story with the world. And SoundCloud. Hear the world sounds. You're listening to episode 81 of Hack to Start. This episode features Timo Rain, the co-founder and president of Pipedrive, a simple sales and visualization tool that teams love to use. Tyler and I wanted to invite Timo onto the show to share his story as an entrepreneur and what it's been like building Pipedrive. Timo had a background in sales, but always found that existing sales management tools weren't very helpful. So he and his co-founders set out to build Pipedrive. Timo shares how they got into AngelPad, raised angel and seed funding, acquired their first customers, grew their team, and much more. This is an amazing episode you won't want to miss, so let's get to it. Hey, Timo. Thanks so much for being on the show today. Hey, great to be here. We're really excited to have you on and, and have you share kind of your story and insights around building Pipedrive. So let's just uh, dive right in. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, like where you're from, what you studied, and how your passion for entrepreneurship really began to develop? Yes, I'm uh, I'm an Estonian. So it's a, it's a country for most people in, in the U.S., which is doesn't exist, but it's actually on the map. It's <laughs> right next to Russia, a small country has about 1.4 million people living there and uh, it has a really good amount of good startups coming out of it. I mean, Skype technical founders, for example, to begin with. And uh, and I'm one of the co-founders of Pipedrive. And I did uh, uh, study actually something very different from what I'm doing today. I uh, majored in psychology in the university in Estonia and uh, I really did not know what I'm going to do post the, the studies. I think many of us are like that. So my first job actually was about much more about you know psychology and and uh, and trying to hire people to like a personal recruitment firm. But um, overall, you know, doing the work that I did, I I, I I sense that building something in the business, building a company, building a product is something that I eventually would end up doing. I guess because I I had a passion for so this sort of real thing that you can almost like a tangible uh, result of your work. That's really cool. So what was that that first job that like recruitment firm and how did that lead into, you know, more of the startup stuff? So that was really weird how I got that job because I was just, you know, going through my studies and uh, you know, just we had a lecturer, he was doing some kind of I can't remember, I think uh personality, you know, personalities are different and he was talking about the individual differences between people and just uh, after one of the, the lectures and I, I I assure you I would I was the quietest person in the lecture I didn't ask any questions I just did my things and for some reason he just picked me and said that hey do you want to do you want to work as a um, professional recruiter and I said you know I don't know what, what exactly that means but uh definitely let's let's talk about it so I was really sort of pulled into my first job, let's put it that way, because I didn't really have that desire to have it at that point. And and so I started as a as a sort of professional recruiter. And and what that meant was it was a small company that was uh, uh, selling its services to to find right people for different uh, roles and positions in, in other companies. And, and my job, uh, everyday job was to 
mostly uh, at first just to try to understand what sort of people are good for what sort of positions or if people were, anyway, if, if it was a headhunting situation and then we just, somebody was trying to become, uh, or there was a role which was open like, uh, let's say, marketing uh, manager or, or uh, director of marketing. Then we just uh, interviewed uh, numbers and numbers of people uh, to see who's the best fit. And uh, and then, you know, 10 interviews a day, completely worn out. And then uh, you head home. And that was my that was my every day. So just trying to read people was my first uh, job, really. That's really interesting. So, so you're currently the co-founder and president of Pipedrive. So for those who may not know about Pipedrive, what is it and what motivated you to start it? Yeah, so Pipedrive is, in a very pragmatic way, it's a, an online software for managing your sales uh, and your sales pipeline. For those who know uh, Salesforce in the market, obviously many many other people do know because of how long they've been around and how successful they've been. You know, Pipedrive is pretty much what you know Salesforce does, but uh, we've heard from our customers who've come, so come from Salesforce that, that that's something that they wanted in Salesforce and they wanted Salesforce to be like. So it's a, it's a combination of something which is really valuable for the salesperson uh, to manage their sales and their pipeline and yet being very simple. So a, I think there's a good balance there. So that much about the tool. And, and you also asked me about what motivated to start with this, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it was a couple of things. Like I mentioned that I started with that job and, and there was more or less like a, how can I put it? Um, I didn't feel like an entrepreneur. I was doing what I was asked to do. And then at one point I joined a company to be a consultant uh, slash trainer of salespeople. And I had no idea what sales was, but I was just starting with it. And so I tried to get as much sales experience at that time. That job was, I think, about 10 12 years altogether uh, that I did. And um, during that time, I had this sort of desire to you know, be an entrepreneur at one point to build something uh, uh, that has a larger, more long-term effect. And I think being in sales, what we discovered was that uh, when you do sales and, and you want to be really good at this, you need some kind of tool to help you because human brain only has so much capacity to keep things there which are important. I mean, your memory is not as powerful and you just need something to be on track because it's not only one person that you're trying to sell your services to. There are many and, and some of them you're not trying to sell at all, but just keep keeping a relationship. It's, it's tricky. I mean, you can't use, you can use, um, you know, Excel spreadsheets and things like that, but, you know, stuff becomes more dynamic and you have more and more conversations going on. It easily becomes really overwhelming. So, we had a tool uh, in a company that I was working, which we working in, which was sales consultancy, and we were trying to sell. That was the second job I had, the, um, trying to sell the mm, you know sales trainings and and sales projects to improve sales in any company that wanted that. You know, we had tools like very early days, our Target Act, and and then we used end up using uh, Microsoft Dynamics for for the larger part of of that uh, run there. And I think that became one of the reasons why we created Pipedrive eventually, because we just had so much trouble with it. Um, became really frustrated. Uh, at first, we thought that it's us, that we're just weird, and we can't, that, that, that it's us who are to blame because we can't use supposedly the, one of the best software in the world for sales management or CRM or customer relationship management. Uh, but it felt so difficult to sort of even keep it up to date it felt like it's not really built for for simple guys like us you know doing sales and after some time we figured out that no it's not only us it's it's all almost all of our customers who are struggling with their crms and and it seems to be that most of them are built uh, so top down that whoever's going to be using it from a level of 
salesperson or even the sales manager, they're going to they're gonna struggle and they're going to find that they would be somewhat more efficient without the tool, which is kind of nonsense because you, you, you need a tool if you want to be really good um, uh, to organize yourself. And uh, I think a bit of that was uh, the reason that we actually created PyTrive was that frustration uh, that we wanted something. We didn't find it, so we started looking for one tool that is simple but powerful and uh, just went through the market and tried to see what tools are there. We didn't quite see what we were looking for and i think that added to to the desire that you know this there's got to be something and if we started joking with the other uh one of the other partners of the three in this consultancy company that you know if it's not there we should build it and i think the more we talked about it, it kind of felt like you know that's that's actually a good idea because it's obviously missing and we have some experience as far as sales goes and uh and that's something we want to do as well because we both had the same type of engineering sort of uh weird gene in ourselves i guess even though we were completely stupid in terms of technology <laughs> but uh but we had that and um yeah so i think that that motivated us quite a bit you know that's really cool to see that the product was you know created out of a frustration of existing tools and i have to say pipe drive has definitely been like the easiest uh, sales tool that i've have used in the past so i love it that's great to hear. So Pipedrive was actually a part of AngelPad. So can you walk us through that, what that experience was like for you? Yes. So AngelPad, um, at the time, is still an incubator that I, I, I really like. Uh, so it's been, uh, I think it's been in action since, since 2010. Um, I might be wrong, but I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not. And it's been, uh, and it's been run by uh, a guy named Thomas Corte and, and, uh, and at the time, it was uh, residing mostly in San Francisco, and that's what we joined. Uh, so it was 2011 in August, and um, and that experience was really something we wanted. I mean, we wanted a program where we could, uh, you know, learn from the from the other entrepreneurs how to build PipeDrive into a, a a product that can uh, actually help people around the world, and 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 how, how can we market that as well? So I think that the main themes were us for us was. Even though I think for most companies in that batch was about building the product and, and marketing it and then getting the financing uh, because we had at that time already the product was you know, built to some degree and then I think we had about 80 customers when we entered uh, AngelPad as well. So much more marketing uh, sort of work was, some, you know, was what we actually got out of that. A lot of demand of you know, trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work. Uh, every week had to matter. And that sort of intensity, I think Thomas at one point said that any company he's seen that maintains the intensity of working every week, not as if it's your last, but uh, every week as if it matters. Every week should bring you some kind of new knowledge or everything. Every week should give you an understanding of what works or what doesn't that he has seen that that is a differentiator uh, for companies that would do well and companies that don't. So I, I quite like the fact of you know, the, the, the step up in intensity uh, mm-hmm. that it actually brought. And I had only experienced that once, like way back in 2000 when I, when I had a crazy summer job when I was doing door-to-door sales. And that was accidentally also in the U.S. and accidentally also in California. So, uh, you know, you go week after week after your goal and try to see that how, how you can, you know, get a step closer every week. So over the years, Pipedrive has been able to successfully raise $12.4 million. What was this process like for you? And do you have any insights that you can share with other entrepreneurs? Um, I think that every company has their own kind of road uh, when they when, when they raise, and then it, it might become more similar as as the time goes on. But at first, at least, um, so for us, the the process was 
like I think for everybody, it started from the need that you needed money. And uh, at first, we went with friends, fools, and family approach. Uh, so we just pitched our uh, one of the partners uh, in the sales consultancy company, saying that, "Hey, you know, we we want to leave you, <laughs> but we want a bit of your money um, so that you could invest into what we want to do, and uh, and then we can, you know, figure out what what could be the ownerships and everything." And and he was he was really uh, willing to help us uh, to get off the ground. It was actually a part of the government grant uh, in Estonia that, that we also got uh, to get going. But, you know, considered overall, you know, money raised, that was a small piece, but but a very important one. And, and, and from that point on, it was us just trying to use it wisely and uh, get to actual paying customers and then, you know, move on as we need it. And I think that more or less at the time of when we entered AngelPad, we entered another moment where we when we needed money because none of us was really working at full time everybody kept their day jobs and you know we were just kind of in a mode of doing a long weekends to develop it and then uh right about at angelpad when we were able to get a bit more money in as far as uh angel investments and and you know small additions we decided that all the you know five founders can actually start working fully uh, on this and that was a very very important point for us and then from from there on i think like a couple of times we were able to raise money so that we well it just happened as we're talking right now over skype uh, and we 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 were able to get customers from different parts of the world and we also saw a lot of inbound un- interest from people who happened to be our customers but at the same time were angel investors or small vcs and and they reached out and and we started talking and uh, and sort of at one point uh, around materialized so it, it it wasn't like a smooth ride that you know just people wanted to throw money at us but it was we got the context uh, that way and then we just started you know putting together um around when we decided to do that i think there was another good point which is maybe useful for for other entrepreneurs is i think it's important to know who you are uh, in this process for example we we got to the point where we were cash flow positive i think it that was almost like one year into us being um, available as a as a product for everybody in the market to purchase, and uh, you know, being cash flow positive was kind of good, felt really good. But at the same time, you know, it's it's a product which doesn't cost an arm and a leg to buy at first. To to make uh, a hot, you know big revenue with that is 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 quite tricky that way. But uh, but here we are, we are cash flow positive, and and then we just looked at it and said that you know we can't even afford. Um, people to work as custom support uh, representatives for us. And one of the founders was, was you know, doing that himself. So we realized that it's, it's great that, that you know, we're able to get to that milestone. But at the same time, uh, the revenues are coming in slower than, than the actual investment could come in and, and help us uh, build the team a, quick, a bit quicker and, and also realize the product goals quicker. And uh, so we decided that, you know, yes, we got to uh, cash flow positive, but we also wanted to grow faster. And that was pretty much what told us that that's what we want to do is that we want to uh, build something, but it also has to have a meaningful effect uh, everywhere around the world. And, uh, and then we decided that we're going to raise money and, and then you know, make sure that we keep our costs uh, always in front of our eyes. But it wasn't like we're trying to push more and more to be cash flow positive. We just wanted to uh, see if we can grow. So I think the process might be different for everybody. It's, it's depending on the needs, depends on what stage you are at as far as the you know, product or product market fit. And uh, at first, it's, it seems to be like, like money is more important than the actual you know, partnership 
Uh, and I think that might be true because it, it very well might be because you need more money than you actually need a, need a partner. But as you go on further, you got to real, realize where in this timeline is a point that you are actually looking for a partner, an investor. Not just an investor and money in the bank account to 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 you know to spend uh, in a way that you think is the the best uh, because uh, investors want uh, to be part of that and then want to, their returns and and it's important that these wants align and uh, the more money you're able to get from any single investor or or institution the more that alignment matters. Unless it's totally okay for you, which way your company develops, uh, it's never been quite okay, and for us, and then that's why this alignment has been really important. The more we mo- moved on to make sure that we know that you know the investors want the same thing as far as the company growth, more or less the same thing that, than the company growth, and definitely for the product growth. And I'm I'm sure that we made mistakes there as well along the way, but I, I hope that we've learned as well and uh, created the t- the types of relationships uh, you know to be lasting, which we want to last. So how do you go about creating that alignment between a startup that's maturing and sort of coming into its own and existing investors? I think it was actually more in in the lines of us realizing that investment is not only money. In a way, you kind of understand it, you know, from the beginning that it's not only that, but it sort of um, hit us that people have, you know, different ideas of how they want you to grow. You, I mean, even in a team, I mean, when you look at the team yourself, you understand that there are different guys and, and they look at the, the way that companies should grow differently. But now you have investors who have invested quite a bit of money into this company and, and, and when they have a too different approach to what you have been thinking of. It's it's something that you understand that it could easily be the type of difference where there's no way to adjust that. It's like no, you know you're not going to be able to sell that to an investor that you know we're going to do it that way because that's so much better because you can sense that that's not the way that they have experienced uh, to build companies or to help build them. And I think that that just um, that sort of you know these sort of realizations you know helped us value getting the initial uh, alignment and initial fit uh, as strong as possible, so that we could uh, work through different times with an investor who looks at the company, the product, and the path of growth pretty much the same way. Even though we can always say that investor, we are just a row in an Excel sheet, really, right? That they invested that much and they want to get you know something out of it in 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 some years time. But it's always human beings, and and uh, and there are different ways of you know getting to goals. And one investor, I mean, you know, let's say there are two types of two investors, and one of them, you know, wants uh, ten times on their investment, and the other one wants ten times. But the way they go about it, uh, you know, one might want that actually in two or three years, and uh, wants that, you know, to be done. Uh, so that you know you're gonna invest in certain areas in a product, and you're gonna change your marketing approach slightly to do that. And then you have an another, another investor who says that you know we we should take more time and build the way you built and continue that and 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 market you know maybe slightly differently, but not too dramatically and stuff like that. So that actually what happens is that you create two different realities with two different investors if you were to sort of follow and, and work as a team, obviously. So that's what I had in mind is that, you know, figuring out what it is that you want to do and then valuing that a lot so that you don't 
just look at money or just the name of an investor and think, oh my God, we should definitely do it. Look at that investor. And I mean, like top tier and everything is, oh my God. But just knowing that, okay, we, we want, uh, we want to build a company that way. Who's comfortable doing that? Who's, who's confident that that's how the success can be achieved? And, uh, and having these sort of conversations with, uh, investors, I think that was, for me at least, was really eye-opening that we can detect that. We can, we can see that these sort of, in, you know, investor company fits exist before we enter this sort of relationship. And, uh, later on, I think it's already, you know, too late to do anything about it. Pipedrive is now 131 people. What's your day-to-day role like now as a president and how does everyone stay on the same page? My role is a president, uh, which is uh, uh, sort of like a vague role definition, obviously, or or just a term. But what I do is um, after we brought in a a CEO to manage the company overall, uh, my role has been much more on a product leadership that means that I work with uh, our VP of engineering, our head of products, our CTO, to make sure that we are able to, you know, to build the product to the point that we know that, you know, that's closer and closer to our vision. And um, that's part of what I do every day is, is you know, it's one-on-ones with them and, and, and trying to work out different things and how we should grow and, and achieve the goals that we, we set for these sort of uh, these parts of, of the organization. Besides that, parts in the leadership that I have uh, is there's also quite a time-heavy part of of hiring, which I'm involved in. And and we do have this sort of hiring process where we're not going to do just one or two uh, interviews with with any certain person, but we're going to have more like three or four or five, and they're going to be some kind of tests uh, involved there as well and homeworks. And that's pretty much for all roles, uh, regardless of of, what, what department. And my role is is not so much to figure out what's the relationship or what's the potential, you know, fit between a professional and what you know the skills that we need from somebody, but I'm much more about how strong of a personal fit there is between that person and the rest of the company. So when they come in, and if we have done our job well, we will see a very good relationship in terms of. You know, them feeling at home, we feeling that we had a great addition to the team, we can work really well together. And, and you know, that's something that I, I, I do my contribution and, and I want to make, sure, make my contribution and want to make sure that I do a good job there. So my day normally includes uh, one or two uh, interviews like that, regardless of roles. I'm going to keep that up until I can. I mean, obviously, it doesn't scale forever, but at least for now and from the beginning is, is, is been there. And I think it's very, very important for us because uh, we uh, want to make sure that the people value the same type of sort of core things in a human being while being very different as a, as a personality or, or very different in terms of hobbies or interests or things like that. But, uh, you know, when things get tough and, 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 and people really need, need to, you know, put in work and, and, and we can learn what we're made of, we want to be extremely similar. So that's, that's what, what, what I'm trying to detect, whether we have this sort of natural fit there. And then, you know, when you asked, you know, how do we, how do we stay on one page you know, as, the, as the team has grown? I think, it's, I think this is something which every team, that, you know, organization that grows has to go through that you learn how things are different. I mean, when you have just, you know, two guys doing company, it's, it's you know, one reality. And when you have 25 people, it's another reality. When you have a 50 or 100, it's another reality. You've got to adjust your ways of, you know, communicating with people and uh, the methods of getting together <laughs> will change and the methods of connecting. 
but I think what is important is to to stay true to who you are, and uh, at least that's my personal opinion. Uh, never let the the business dominate the the goals that you have for products or the goals that you have for the whole organization. I mean, human side of the organization, because. I look at that these are the three tracks that we're building our company uh, on. One is that we're building a product that has to be really good and useful for, for our customers. And we have to build a good business. Otherwise, we're not going to be here through different times. And, uh, and then third one is that we have to build a really good organization so that we could build that product and we can create that business. By organization, I mean the, the group of humans that are able and, and willing to do this. So um, I don't know. We just... Try to make sure that we use the right things at, at, at different stages in, in companies' life and then learn from others who've done it before us. You know, what about the challenges that, challenges that we will be facing and, uh, and then just adjusting and, and uh, moving away from things that don't scale and uh, moving towards, you know, the ways that actually will or will help us at least, uh, you know, from one point to another um, in the process. Well, wow, that's, that's, uh, those are some really good points. Um, so throughout your, the years of uh, being involved with sales, do you have any tips or insights on, on how to close more deals? I have one. <laughs> <laughs> that's not too many, right? Uh, no, I have just one because I, I, I found out that that was uh, probably the most useful for me and for others around me that I was, was able to see. You know, the, the whole concept of sales pipeline, or let's put it that way, that you have sales opportunities that you consider to be uh, hot or important enough. And, and then you can see that if you continue the conversation that you have with a prospect that, you know, there's a service or product that you're selling and that, you know, kind of seem to be already interested. And then there's a whole process that you have probably gone through and will hopefully go through with that person as well that will lead to a sale, right? So I think that all salespeople figured out out that that that's something that you know needs to happen. Um, some people want to be more scientific or you know have some kind of method about it. Some people want to be more artistic. I think uh, that's all fine. There are different ways of closing a sale uh, between you know between two parties and two human beings. But uh, but I think one of the more important things that I discovered was that since uh, it's all in our head in terms of what is important, what sort of conversations are the good ones, what sort of conversations I define as uh, my opportunities right now because it's all in our head if we see that there are so many opportunities we kind of feel rich and we kind of feel that you know i'm going to close so many sales in some time right now and it's going to give us hope and confidence that they are you know we're, we're leading we're on top of it and the problem with all that is that it's very difficult to lose any of these opportunities we kind of you know tend to carry these opportunities forward even if we could just do a quick survey and check it out with our actual prospects who are in our pipeline, you know, that do they consider themselves to be in our pipeline? And is that something that we have, you know, going on at the same time and they feel that they are in discussion with us seriously and, and, and we are with them? Then in reality, what we discover is that, uh, you know, realities are very different where I would say that, you know, 10 people, let's say I have 10 people in my pipeline that all of them are considering you know, purchasing from me in some, at some point in the near future. In reality, what might be that, you know, the case is that only one or two of them are seriously considering. And, and the rest of them, which is like 80% maybe at times, they are just there because they think that I want to talk to them at one point or another and uh, sort of like going through with it and then just you know, maybe trying to be nice and not you know, pushing me away either. And, uh, and the problem is that 
I could be wasting so much time uh, thinking that I'm doing the right thing, but actually I'm just spending my time on wrong opportunities. And I saw that happen not only to me, but you know, to people around me so often that we just, a human being, I think we have a tendency to try to hold on to the good things and, and it's very tough for us to lose anything. And, and how, how do you now actually say that, okay, I'm going to lose this opportunity because it doesn't really feel that strong? I mean, it's, it's very tough to let go. But if you're able to do this, able to cons- sort of continuously clean up, let's put it that way, your pipeline and, and, and see whether there are strong signs of uh, us moving towards the sale or whether this is all actually weakening and it's all in my head, then make that step and you know declare or define that opportunity as lost. Move it out of your pipeline, get some new prospects in and, and start working with them. I saw that that was something that really, really helped me and, and I also had a I, had a, I remember quite vividly one of the you know colleagues that I had, and he was struggling because he wasn't able to he wasn't able to close sales for months and months, and he dragged all the same opportunities forward for a couple of months. And I said, you know, let's let's do one thing which I've done, and I don't know if that helps you, but it helped me. And and he actually made just ten phone calls or something like this, you know, along the lines with with this example I gave, and realized that you know only one of the prospects or opportunities was was considering a purchase in the near term and and he said that you know i i you know woke up uh, this morning i thought i had 10 opportunities now i have one but the good thing is that i know what i need to do now cleaning up your pipeline i think that's a that's a really good approach so being an entrepreneur there's you know there's always tons of stress and you know you work a lot of hours but for you are there any funny stories that you're able to share with us uh, through your experience of being an entrepreneur and working on pipe drive <laughs> I, I don't know how funny it is to start calls in the morning at 6 a.m. Uh, with the guys in you know another part of the world, but sometimes I I, I look funny when I look in the mirror <laughs> and I start these calls. It's um, it's a it's a funny thing that I I uh, I don't have you know too many rooms which which are you know provide me the the sort of soundproof uh, that I you know soundproof situation that I need and, and quite often I use our you know restroom for calls like this <laughs> it's funny to see other guys saying that you know what what room are you using right now restroom again <laughs> and it's sort of like yeah I'm I'm, I'm sitting on a certain thing and I'm, I'm speaking with you all here and and we all sort of through going through an executive meeting or whatever so that's kind of funny um one of the things which happened and some some people also wrote about it was that we have this i mean in estonia everybody has a tradition to have a sauna or go to sauna at least and uh you know that's a that's a it's a room which is very hot and you go there and then you just you know sweat and then you go outside and jump into a lake if you have one or jump into snow when it's winter time and you get back into the very hot room and you know do it over and over again then you wash yourself and that's a you consider that to be a very good moment in 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 a week and normally you do it on Friday or Saturday at least and that's something which is very normal and we we invited some of our future and 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 our at that time current investors uh to go through that process with us and and that was quite quite funny to see that they they you know they didn't consider that sort of a situation to ever happen to them when they uh, were were to invest that they are actually you know naked in the sauna with a bunch of guys and uh that they're trying to invest in (laughs) and uh, we, we kind of felt normal but they they later on they they just disclosed that it was you know it was kind of uh, you know, uh, a weird situation, but they but they definitely liked it because it's it's a good experience to uh, to be in a sauna. Whoever's done it, um, so maybe that's one of the funny things. And we also made them walk on uh, hot coals or, oh, right. or you know something like this. And that was maybe not as funny, but it was definitely a, a challenge and you know stuff like that. So 
Those are all good, really good stories. <laughs> so I have to ask, what's next for PipeDrive this year, for this upcoming year? Yeah, it's it's a it's a good question and keeps us uh, also very uh, motivated to go on. Is that we started with as as I described with a frustration that we had personally about the fact that you know we were trying to see something in a market and then we ended up building something that we weren't seeing, which was you know let's build a tool which has built with salesperson in mind. It, it required a lot of focus. It required a lot of saying no to most of other things that seem to be important as well. And that time I knew that we can't forever avoid building uh, for sales manager. But we've, we have decided to do this uh, for, for quite a number of years. And, uh, and this year, it's good that we have gotten investments and, uh, and we've decided to make sure that we are able to serve not only uh, our customers from, uh, with a good tool for, for salespeople to use, but also um, the tool that uh, helps sales managers to get uh, to their sales goals with these people. And um, you know the parts of the product that help sales managers do that, they've been kind of there but it has required really motivated sales managers on it. And, uh, and what we are working on, obviously, is, is making that job a lot easier for them uh, so that they, they would have a, a really good chance to, you know, to, to get the necessary reporting that they haven't been able to get. And, and also we're continuously, obviously, helping uh, you know, salespeople to be more on top of what they do uh, in the sales pipeline. And that involves working on in, 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 uh, in a communication, making sure that that communication can happen in, in Pipedrive and, and they, they can also work in, uh, in, in the daily calendars and uh, things like that. So, you know, parts of the product which have been there, but not at the level that we've uh, wanted all the time. Uh, and we're now just, you know, trying to make this product more useful and uh, for the salespeople. But, but the, you know, what I started with also for, for sales managers, because, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think these two roles, you know, people who are working with other people in order to sell something to them or people who are working with other people in a team in order to make them sell, right? I think these two roles are the most important for us in order to be, you know, serving them really well. So that's, that's what's going on for this year. Cool. We really look forward to seeing uh, what comes out of, uh, out of those updates. Me too. Yeah. So do you have any recommendations on uh, some great content that you've come across lately, like a book, a video or a blog post? One of the smallest books ever written on sales, which was called uh, is called Common Denominator of Success, it was written actually from a from a transcript of a speech. I think nineteen oh seven. I may be wrong here, but at, at some some point like that, and uh, by one of the American insurance sales manager at that time, I think. But but the guy who had been in sales in that book uh, for me has always done it. It's it's <laughs> in sales. It's it's the simplest way of condensing it what is important and i've seen that you know it can be applied in different industries and different roles in sales so that's always been really good and then i think one of the things i um read just lately is uh cracking the sales management code and uh and that is something which um, i think helps people when they want to understand how to manage the sales but but they don't want it doesn't have a bullshit type of view on sales that you know talks about everything that is important but really wants to cut down to to what matters those are some great recommendations we'll have to check them out so do you have any last thoughts or personal models that you live by and you think others should know about let me give you a funny one which is not what i live by but i hear it every day cool Uh, (laughs) i'll give you one that i you know maybe live by as well but it's my three-year-old son who's uh 
who's going on. He's he's at that age now where you know things are kind of like he wants things and then not not able to get all these things himself. His motor that I want to sort of print it on his shirt would be I want something else now. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, imagine yourself going through the day and you're gonna hear that like thirty times. And and he's gonna be very demanding about this. Uh, so I want something else now. I quite like that model. <laughs> um, so anyway, but that's uh, sort of like a more funny one. There are certain more, maybe a bit more sarcastic ones. Like you know, it is what it is. Uh, maybe it's not sarcastic, but it's it's very pragmatic. Like you know, we 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 only we 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 attach the meaning to things that happen, but it it is what it is, and and you can do that. I mean, you can attach the meaning, and whatever you you know attach. That's going to become the reality, really, for you. I mean, obviously. So, just realizing that you know sometimes things look really tough and and then you know or dramatic or or somebody you know makes them look very dramatic or sounds horrible. But uh, when you sort of like peel it off, uh, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, life is bigger than us all, and and you know things happen. So it's sometimes good to get back to this and understand that that's uh, that's what we have to embrace. And then, you know, figuring out who we are. I mean, for me, at least, you know, who I'm naturally and then trying to live that whoever I am and, and, and make sure that I, I uh, work towards the, the goals or the reality that really um, matters to me in, in, in a world or in a, in a, in a personal life uh, or personal surroundings or, or in a business. And, and I've, I've, I've seen that, but that's, a, that's something that I've, I've, I've grown through a lot and then I've seen that realizing who you naturally are and, and being okay with it and then just knowing that that's where your energy flows and then just putting that energy to build the things that you want to build i think that doesn't sound like a motto but uh that's the way i i look at things and i i really like it that way absolutely no it's great great perspective both mottos uh timo thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today it was a pleasure to have you on the show thank you both it's been a pleasure as well hopeful uh hoping that it was somewhat useful well, that's about it for this episode of Hack to Start. You can find all the important links beneath the show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Hack to Start, and sign up for our newsletter to know about all the latest episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and more. Thanks for listening, and see you next time.